opening of the $10 million Riverina Paceway at Wagga in the middle of March has given harness racing in regional New South Wales a significant shot in the arm. After many years of racing on the tight Wagga showground circuit, Riverina trainers at last are ecstatic with the new spacious 1,000 metre track. One local trainer driver who has taken to it like a duck to water is Bruce Harpley, who has driven winners at each of the last two Sunday meetings. Bruce comes from Juneau, about 35 kilometres away, and is a third-generation harness trainer. His grandfather, George, trained the brilliant pacer Welcome Advice to win the 1972 Inter-Dominion, the horse contesting four Inter-Dominion grand finals altogether. Bruce's father, the late Alan Harpley, was a legendary trainer driver in the Riverina and a regular at Harold Park in the 60s and 70s. Bruce's great success is testimony to the extra hours he's had to work to have his horses at their best. For the past 26 years, he's been a very popular and well-known postman in his hometown, and before that, he worked for the Westpac Bank. In view of his recent spate of success, I thought it a perfect time to catch up with one of the best-liked blokes in New South Wales harness racing. Uh, great to be here, John. After that introduction, I've got a bit to live up to, Neil. <laughs> and how's the weather in beautiful Juni? Yeah, fantastic morning. The heat, the heat's gone. We got 10 mils of rain last week. We need a lot more, of course, but yeah, beautiful morning this morning. When I got you on the phone during the week, Bruce, to line this podcast up, you were out on the Honda bike doing your daily rounds. How many delivery points do you actually service? Um, yeah, we're about 653. Um, we do. There's two of us. Yeah, two posties in June. We both still work for Australia Post, and he's got a, a few more. But, yeah, as, a, as I said, that was that's my uh, best horse every week, guaranteed money. <laughs> yeah, I'll say. You've been in the business 26 years, Bruce, so you missed out on the old push bike era. Thank God. <laughs> Although <laughs> yeah. I would be fitter. I would be fitter admittedly, but uh, we do have a lot of hills in Judy, so I don't know how that would have worked too good at, back in the old days. Uh, I know the uh, the other postman, Adrian White, that helps, he, he started out as a telegram boy, so he, he, mm. he had the push bike when he started. Mm. You obviously spend a fair bit of time behind the counter at the post office helping with all of those other services provided by Australia Post. Do you sell a few stamps from time to time? I, I did back in the old days, but now we're, we're strictly delivery now, so I don't get to do that anymore. Um, yeah, when I when I first uh, came back to Juni from working with Bernie Kelly, I was down there doing a bit of part-time work on the counter as well and, mm. and doing the casual work, relieving the posties when they were away, so... Um, yeah, I did a bit of that, but yeah, I've, I've got out of that part of it now. You worked at the Westpac Bank early on, as I mentioned. That didn't last long, though. What happened there? You're not a banking type. No, I, it was a it was a good good to start with. That all our family, well, brother, he was in in the state bank, and and uh, as soon as I left school, I got a job in the Westpac at Coolman actually, and and it was a real nice, relaxed atmosphere out there. And um, I was there for about oh, probably six months or so, and then I moved to Tamora. Um, to work there and I remember coming home one day and dad said did it rain over there I said no idea I said I haven't even got a window to look out <laughs> and then I, re- then I started to think to myself this is not what I want to be doing I, I like the outdoors yeah. so yeah I-, I packed it in real quick so that was the defining moment 
when your dad yeah. said, did it rain over there and you didn't know? Yeah, no, I didn't know. Yeah, I <laughs> didn't have a window. Where we, yeah, it was sort of a bit more, wasn't as laid back as Coolman in the, that branch over there. And, mm. um, yeah, I thought this is, this is not for me sitting indoors here and not knowing what's going on outside. Mm. You were nine years old when your grandfather George died in 1976, so you'd have pretty clear memories of him. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Dad used to, obviously, Dad used to go up to um, we at that stage. Dad would move where we are now, just outside the showground in Park Lane. And Dad was, and Grandfather was in Florence Street where Dad had grew up, mm. uh, which was only a few k's away. And we used to go up there, and I can remember Pat and welcome advice and that, and his his box. And yeah, I remember the setup of Dad's old house and Grandfather's house. And yeah, and yeah, I'd, I'd, the one one thing I sort of remember is that. Well, I, I don't remember it so much as Dad remembered. And I went up there once, and yeah, it was a bit of bit of board there, and and um, I was hammering horseshoe nails into it, just one after one after another one after another <laughs> one. And, and uh, Dad said, to Griff, "Don't let him waste those take, waste those nails." He goes, "Oh, that don't cost much. He's having fun. Leave him alone." <laughs> so yeah. he, he must have been on my side, grandfather. Anyway, <laughs> now just to illustrate the era from which your grandfather came and lived his life. You tell one very funny story about George's new Holden Ute many years yeah. ago. Yeah, that's right. It was it was probably uh, getting around the time of when Welcome Advice um, was on the scene, and he he thought he'd never had a new Ute in his life, and um, it was a Holden Ute, and I, I'm would have been early early seventies, and um, Dad took him down to have a look at him and that, and. And geez, uh, he thought, how good is this? He said he got him and he said, what's this thing here? And anyway, Dad said, that's a radio. And he goes, well, what you, so what, what do you do? And Dad showed him the, and the music come on. And yeah. he thought, how, how good is this? Yeah. <laughs> can sit in the car and listen to the radio. And then the trots used to be on it as well. So Yeah. <laughs> the music and the trots. He'd never seen a car radio. No, we'd never had a vehicle with one in. Like I said, he was born mm. – um, 1899, he was born, and yeah. and as said, he uh, um, worked on the Shire here, and that was where his love of horses come from, with the Shire horses, and mm. they used to uh, have the Shire, he had a horse called Shire Lad, and um, yeah, they used to use it to play out, and the grader and that during the week, and then on weekends, they'd yoke it up and, and go 60 k's and over to the moor, yeah. um, race it, and then come home next day in the sulky with it again. He'd, he'd have to jog over there and then bring him home as well and race in the middle. Probably mm. had a couple of starts while it was there. So <laughs> they, they were a bit tougher back those days. Oh, yeah. You'd have been about five years old when Welcome Advice won that Inter-Dominion at Albion Park. And, Bruce, that was in the days when they raced in the opposite direction at Albion Park. I yep. called that race. I'll never forget it. I, I doubt I've seen an Inter-Dominion grand final winner with the possible exception of I'm Mighty Quinn a few years ago at Menangle, finish as fast as Welcome Advice did that night. Yeah, Couldn't yeah. he sprint? Oh, it was a phenomenal sprint. That dad always said that. Um he he was and he was pretty strong as well, but he he, he come from impossible positions a lot of time, even on the old Harold Park when he got back off twelve and twenty four yards and mm. he'd still be able to come from behind. And um that particular night, um Dad and grandfather stayed in the one motel up there, and and Dad told me the story. He said that night after they'd won the Inter Dominion, the biggest race on the calendar, and things they sort of didn't realise what what had happened. And and grandfather was laying in bed, and he said to Dad, he uh, he said, you know, boy, he said, uh, 
I only had one dream when I started out in this game. And Dad said, what was that? He said, the winner race at Juno's show. <laughs> and here he was. He just won the biggest race in Australasia. So yeah. um, small dreams can turn into big dreams and which can turn into reality. So that's yeah. the love of this game. I remember your dad, Alan, very, very well, Bruce. Not only was he a great horseman, he was a good storyteller and a very likeable character with a wicked sense of humour. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's no doubt about that. Some of the things they got up to, and like I said, back when he first started going to Sydney in probably the late 50s, like you said, he, he was right at the top of his game in the 60s and 70s. I think once there he was, he was second on the premiership and 10th in Australia on mm. the premiership, and, and he never ever trained more than 10 horses. Yeah. Never ever had, mostly it was around the, around the eight sort of mark. Um, but, yeah, he, he met Ned Feely down there when he first went to Harold. One of the first trips to Harold Park, he got a flat tyre and mm. Ned Feely came over to him and, and uh, helped him change the tyre and they become best mates after that. And Dad always stayed there for the rest of his time. He ever went to Sydney, Condor Park and in Ellis Street with all the greats there, Johnny Winskin and and um, even Wayne Hone, and he was there too at that stage. And Chrissy mm. Hart, he was real good mates with. And I think Jack Kelly might have been next door to Ned and – um, yeah, no, they, they had some great times, no doubt, no doubt about that. And one of the funniest stories I think I've ever seen, and it was later in his years, actually, mm. um, the great uh, Tiger Walker, Brian Walker, um, Dad and him were best mates, and, and as they retired and, and Brooke Tiger had come here and stay at Dad's place when some of the trots were on here, particularly the cup meeting, mm. and they had a thing where they used to have the uh, cowhide drag. Now, that was a... That was a uh, hide of a cow on a piece of rope, mm-hmm. and it'd be dragged behind a horse. And they were having this thing one night here at the trots, and and Dad said to Tiger, he said, "You having a go at that?" He said, uh, "Don't be stupid, boy." He said, "I'm not bloody having a go at that." Dad <laughs> said, "Oh, geez, I had a go at lunchtime." He said, "It was easy as anything." He said, "I, I thought you'd have a go." Well, he said, "If you're having a go, I'm having a go." Yeah. So anyway, the night came. Tiger jumps on, <laughs> jumps on this hide. Behind this horse, yeah. and it took off. And there's been a lot of people seeing this and will remember it for the rest of their life. It took off. It rolled over. Tiger wouldn't let go. He held on. He was he was under the under the hide, <laughs> and it was on top. And he's dragging behind. Yeah. He he come back to the bar. His strides were half hanging off. His shirt was half ripped off. <laughs> and, and he goes, I told you I'd do it, AG. And he goes, Now it's your turn. He said, I'm not that mad. Dad said, I'm not getting on that thing. That's for sure. <laughs> Oh, how many yarns from the bush in that era? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Good they were good times and they were, they were good good people and, yeah, no, it was a great era. Welcome Advice wasn't the only good horse your dad got to drive. He had an association, as I recall, with two very good Riverina horses that came to Harold Park a lot in the late 60s, I, I fancy. One of them was Ardrossan and he also drove Can You Bay, didn't he? Yep, that's right. He trained both of those horses, and he actually, mm. even in his later years, we said, "What was your best horse?" And he he actually said, "Ardrossan was probably better than Can you uh, than Welcome Advice." Did he? But um, Ardrossan, he won the 1967 um, New South Wales Derby and yep. beat Adapter, mm. who was a brilliant horse at the time, mm. went on to a Miracle Mile, and um, I think he, he actually won the won the derby about a month before I was born, actually. So, uh, but mm. I, we watched the replays numerous times. Like, Dad got those old uh, videos off, I think it was Howard's videos at the time. And, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, he watched them and he was a great horse. I, I think 
the the three of those horses won around thirty odd races. Mm. Um, can you buy it? And welcome advice. Well, I think you end up fifty. More welcome advice, but yeah. they they might have won won around fifteen or twenty at Harold Park. Yeah. Um, amazing. So, yeah, and he sold him. He sold him to America. I think at the time. Um, it was the most that anyone had paid for a horse in Australasia. I think it was around sixty thousand mm. um, in the in the like I said the late sixties, around that sixty seven, sixty eight sort of period. So yeah, uh, it was a massive money. You, you wouldn't know how many houses you could have bought with that back then. Yeah. So yeah, no, he, he loved those three horses. They were his three favourite horses. I remember seeing Can You Bay and Ardrossan at Harold Park, not long after I first started calling the trots for the Macquarie Network. Uh, and w- we look forward to them coming down from the Riverina every week or every second week. They always look well. He drove them good, and they just went out there and uh, won their races very impressively. Yeah, can you can you buy? He um he never. I think he only ever got one start behind the mobile. His welcome advice was too strong um, for Can You Bay, but Can You Bay was faster. But mm. yeah, he, as the longer distances when they got up in age, welcome advice was stronger. But they they Quinellaed the um. I think back then they used to have the country two-year-old championship. Yeah. And um, Army Harris drove uh, Welcome Advice and Dad drove his own horse, Can You Bay? And we've got a photo on the wall here. There was only a length between them. And there was, I think it might have been somewhere like 40 yards back to the third horse. And they, mm. they broke the Australasian record for a two-year-old. They went two four and a bit yeah. that night. And, um, two yeah, four. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, two four. Uh, that was an Australasian record for a standing start, two year yeah. old. So that, that's what they um, do their warm up in now at Menangle. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> dad, dad, dad couldn't come to grips of how times had changed when Leeton first opened down there, and they were going two minutes there. And yeah. he goes, I, I don't know. He said, I've got a horse here. Happy Tash was his name. He said it wouldn't wouldn't even see the back of welcome advice and then he said it's going two minutes i said that's the thing you got to understand that i said welcome advice and then would still go 155 or 156 here and still beat them by 50. exactly yeah well bruce when you made up your mind you wanted to work with horses your dad spoke to his old friend bernie kelly who at the time was running a stud farm at a little place called collie amberley and he was also training a small team of horses and bernie gave you a job yeah, that's right. Did obviously Bernie he didn't get married till later in life and he used to spend a lot of time up with dad and mum here. So um yeah, they, he was a great friend of the family and and it was the obvious thing when I, I left the bank and dad was a bit disgusted when I left the bank. Mm. But I, I and he, yeah, I went down and yeah, as you said, he rang Bernie and said, Yeah, can he come down? He said, I don't want him doing all those farm jobs, though. He only likes the horses. Mm. So um, at the time Bernie didn't have a heap of horses in work yet. He had the stallions standing there, like uh, I think Tompkins Hanover was there while I was there, and Hilarion and um, Baron Gerard. Um, yeah, he had a he had a few sort of standing there. And one year, I think we we weaned off about a hundred foals, I think there one year. So mm. um, yeah, but that, that got Bernie back into the horse again a bit when I come down there, and um, yeah, we, we we went from there the pair of us then. You'd only driven a handful of winners when Bernie asked you to drive a promising two-year-old filly. He had in the place by the name of Miss Paula. You actually got beaten on her first start at Tamora. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know whether I can say that now. That the first start, Bernie, we went to Tamora, and she had been trialing good. Not I was actually wasn't working for Bernie then, but Bernie sort of the association had sort of grown, and mm. Bernie said to me, "I've got a really nice filly. I want you to keep driving." So I went to Griffith from Juneau a few times and drove her at the trials, and 
anyway, um, Bertie said to me that night, he, he said, oh, I think she'll win. And anyway, just before I jumped on her, he said to me, he goes, um, someone's knocked me price off. He said, I know, I know who did it. He said, I'd, I'd rather you didn't win on the bloody thing now. <laughs> and um, she she ran a good second. Yeah. I was I was brought into the stewards' room and uh, queried about my drive, and I said, "Well, she got rough, which she did too." And uh, at the four hundred, and they just put that down as a query. And yeah. and I think um, the steward said to me at the time, "She said, I wouldn't like to see this horse come out and win next start." And mm. I think she might have won seven or eight straight after that. <laughs> she certainly did, including the Seymour Championship at Albion Park. Bernie sent her to Victoria in the latter part of her career where she won another five races. But Bruce, as good as she was on the racetrack, she was even better in the breeding barn and she became the mother of no less than eight winners. Her most prolific was Albert Kelly, who won an astonishing 32 races. You drove him in 23 of them and this is the horse you rate as the best you've ever driven, certainly the best racehorse. Yeah, yeah, no, he was. He's, he didn't reach probably the potential that he should have. Um, well, who knows why that happens? But as a, as a, he didn't do much as a two-year-old. He was a, he was a big horse and pretty heavy legged. I remember when Bernie and I were out at the, out at his block. He had a block just out of Wagga where he used to turn all the horses out, and um, we were trying to pick one out to put in the Australian Gold. And anyway, they were very friendly horses. The Miss Paula was herself. She was one of those horses that wanted to be your mate, mm. and the foals were always the same. Anyway, this particular foal, Albert Kelly at the time, he sort of come up to us in the paddock when on his mother, and and I said to Bernie, I said, Jesus, I said, he's a dopey-looking bugger, isn't he? <laughs> he goes, yeah, yeah, he is. And he said, we won't be picking him to put in the Australian goal, that's for sure. And we're yeah. sort of patting him. Next thing, he hopped over the, the draw bar between the float and the car, yeah. He just sort of gradually walked across there and just hopped over the top of the draw bar. <laughs> yeah. And we just said, oh, he's too dopey, that bugger. He'll be no good. And uh, it ended up, he, I, I think he was probably the fastest and strongest horse I've probably driven. He was, he's yeah. a, yeah, he's just, he was a, just a perfect horse to drive. He had no weaknesses. He had gate speed. He'd relax, come from behind, come, as I said, in front, sit in the death. Uh, made it made my job easy, and he just had a beautiful demeanour to go with it. He'd just go to sleep, and mm. and when you put him on the track, he'd grow a hand, and his ears would prick, and yeah. he wanted to be a racehorse. And he was he was just a favourite horse to be around. Another one of Paula Kelly's sons was Greg Kelly, who didn't last as long as Albert. He wasn't the most fluent pacer in the world, Bruce, but he had a lot of talent. He won seventeen races, three hundred and forty-five thousand dollars. He won the Australian Gold two-year-old final and the Australian Derby about a year later in Tasmania. He broke down, sadly. Yeah, that's right. He, um, he, he said, a bit, you're right about the non-fluent bit. Bernie used to bring him over for me to trial and I'd say to Bernie, what's wrong with this horse? I said, he's throwing his head around. I can't get him happy in the mouth. I said, we're going to have to do something. And he said, I've tried everything. I said, I can't, can't sort of work him out. And we just had to keep being patient with him and wait and wait, but he He'd never get out of his gear, but, yeah, he was a bit of a funny one to drive. But like you said, he, he only got beat once in his career, and that was in the in the New South Wales derby. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he was he, – he at the end of his career, he was so fast. And he was even at the three-year-old. I think when he broke down the first time, he drew two or three in the final of the Vic Bread, um, and there would have been no way – he would have got beat that night. His, his main danger was Mafioso, was his sparring partner, but he drew out wide Mafioso. So, mm. 
Mm. Um, the first three, if he'd have won that night, which I was, you know, there's no doubt he would have if he hadn't broke down in the semi. Yeah. Um, he, the first three Colts out of the out of Miss Paul all, all would have won the Vic bread. Mm. Um, three-year-old final. Albert Kelly won it. McRae's mate won it, and Greg Kelly would have won it too had he had he stayed sound. Mm. Lady Waratah was a brilliant filly you got to drive. She won 20 out of 36, more than half a million, about 564,000. She won the APG two-year-old final, Breeders' Crown two-year-old final, uh, the three-year-old Australia Gold final and the three-year-old Breeders' Crown final. You had some fun with her. Yeah, definitely did with her. She was, uh, her manners were impeccable. She was fast out of the gate and, um, originally, when her first start, we, we thought about taking her to Bathurst, and, and when Bertie and I both decided we think this one's a bit special, so we missed Bathurst to concentrate on the Australian goal, and I give her a run at Leet in her first start, and Bertie and I decided, like, we, just, we don't want to knock around here, we'll just sit back and let her run home, and um, I sat back last and, and pulled out the 400, and she beat them without, without moving. And they, I think mm. they broke the track record for a two-year-old on there that night. And Bernie and I just looked at one another and went, wow. So, yeah. um, and she continued on, like you said, I think there's only been one horse in history, other horse that, um, that might have won both the APG at two and three and the Breeders' Crown at two and three. Mm. So, yeah, yeah no, she thing. was – yeah, it's pretty rare. And as I said, she was a lovely horse. And, um, yeah, great to, great to get another one if you could. Bruce Harpley, I'll get you to stand by there for a moment while we clear a commitment on the podcast back after this. It's good times all round at Harness Racing across New South Wales as the state's finest horses and drivers go wheel to wheel. With something for everyone, a trip to the trots is the perfect place to take family and friends. It's easy, affordable and action-packed, so get down to your local track and experience it firsthand. Get all the info at harnessmediacentre.com.au and we'll see you at the track for good times all round. My guest is Bruce Harpley from Junee in the Riverina. Many have forgotten that you were the original trainer of Joe Fess. You had him until he was a four-year-old. You won 12 races with him. He finished up winning a total of 40 and he was lucky enough to be able to hold the lead at Gloucester Park in an Inter-Dominion Grand Final and scrape in by a nose. You didn't over-race him early, Bruce. You really looked after that horse. Yeah, that's right. He, he was a really big horse. Um, I broke him in um, as, as a late yearling, and um, I actually remember Bernie Kelly come over here one day, and, and I said to him, I said, have a look at this horse go when I pace him round, N- not knowing that he was going to boo what he did. No one knows that, but he, I did like him. Um, and he had a lot of brains because it was such a big, strong horse. I remember Neil Day said to me, second start as a two-year-old, oh, it was at Canberra, I think it was, and I, I had him yoked up and we were just heading up the parade ring and Neil sort of come out of the box on the other side and Neil said, hey, hey, he said, this is the two-year-old race, not the three-year-old. Put Did that he? horse back away, will you? Yeah. And I said, yeah, yeah. I said, he's a bit big, isn't he? But, yeah, yeah. he was he um, he was so he was so strong, like I said. He, and I was sort of – I was so proud of him in his, later in his career because um, Jeremy Lobel's – there was no Jeremy Lobel's went on. There was a lot of good Jeremy Lobel's as young horses, but there was very few and far between that. Well, I don't think any really went to the open grade that he did. No. So you sort of knew, because um, so I, I work him a bit different, and, and I knew then as he went on through his career, I had him, like I said, up to a four-year-old, and um, you knew that he was a stayer, like he didn't get many stayers races, two and three-year-olds, but 
Um, yeah, the, the fact that he went on and won an Indian Dominion and won a Vic, uh, Vic final, I was cheering for him the night when he won in the Indian Dominion. So, mm. yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. He was a lovely horse and just sort of inside it proved to me and you put it down to experience as well that what you did helped that horse get to where he was so you know that the way you worked and didn't harm him later in life. So yeah. uh, that helps you down the track. I doubt that any of those major wins with Bernie Kelly's horses gave you any more pleasure than the success you had with the couple you trained yourself. Roses for Tash, named after your wife, and Dance for Maddie, named after one of your daughters. Did you name one after the other girl, Brooke? <laughs> yes, we did. We did, and um, I think Brooke got two goes, um, and... <laughs> And they were about the worst ones we'd had. So Brooke goes, well, why do I get all the slow ones? And you give all Maddie the quick ones. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, and even uh, I think the diamonds for Brooke we had, which was out of my old bear, and at the time presidential ball was the gun stallion and the, probably the best stallion the bear had been to. Mm. Uh, I think he stood at about 10,000 at that time, presidential ball. And, mm. yeah, so he won one race from 40. <laughs> so, yeah. and we had another one, stars for Brooke after that, which was a four-star shark, obviously. and. Yeah, she only won a couple too, so the Brook name got left by the wayside where Maddie, Dance for Maddie, I think she's probably the best one that I've owned myself that I've trained. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, she broke down just before the four-year-old Breeders' Challenge final and mm. uh, there was the year Obama Joy won it and I'm, I'm taking nothing away from Obama Joy, but she was really fine at the time and I was that confident with her, but unfortunately, I wasn't I, I wasn't there at the time. I had to go to Perth and left her with Ian Wilson and yeah, she... Mm done a tendon while she was there with Ian and mm. um yeah but that's that's the way they go with horses but yeah they were both lovely horses Rose Vitash as I said she she's the only horse I've ever bought at a yearling sale um we paid nine thousand for her at the time thanks to the breeders bonuses I said we really couldn't afford to buy them but mm. we had a few breeders bonuses so we went to Baffer's sale and um they're all the ones I sort of picked out went to for too much money and she was the one that we ended up with and mm. and yeah she ended up winning I think she won nearly 20 races, 19 races or something like that, Roses for Tash. And, yeah, she looked. She and, won 18, Bruce. Yeah, 18, yeah. And yep, she yeah. ran 32 placings. Yeah, yeah. They're, just, they're, they're horses that you get and you say to yourself, um, gee, I, I want a better one. But then when they go, you go, gee, I'd like to have one like them again. Yeah, so, exactly. um, yeah, she just raced from two to eight and always earned every year. And um, as I said, ended up winning around the 110,000 mark. And uh, Ian Wilson won four with her at um, Harold Park. and. And then her first foal, Ruby's for Tash, which, um, yeah, she's she's won eighty odd thousand with her bonuses. We've won over a hundred thousand with her. So, um, yeah, no, it's it's been a good connection with that family. And as I said, the dance for Maddie, the one I've, I've got a lot of faith in her as a broodmare. The first foal out of it was a Western Western Ideal. He won his last three and unfortunately went sore. Mm. Um, he only had five starts and won his last three. And I've got another one here now that goes all right out of the two so no, it's a family fun like i said we all we're all involved in them the girls obviously not as much now but yeah. yeah no it's 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 what we do and it's what we love you mean a western terror um she has a bjk has a western terror yeah that's the old mayor but dance for maddie has a western had a he's a be a three-year-old coming for now western ideal we yeah. we read uh got frozen from America mm. and it said he had five starts as a two-year-old and won his last three and was super impressive. I, I honestly think he's the best one that I've bred by a long way better than his mother dance for Matty. Mm. But um, he, he ended up with a tendon injury and now he's out in the paddock at birdies running around the hills and we'll give him time and hopefully one day he can make it back to the races again. 
Let's go back to the Bernie Kelly stable for a moment and pay tribute to a marvellous mare that you got to drive on a regular basis and you got to train for quite some time too. I'm talking about Frith. 63 starts, 39 wins, 14 placings, 1.2 million in prize money. You drove her, Bruce, in 29 of those wins. How do you sum her up in a nutshell? What were her strong points? Um, it was extremely unusual. There's no doubt about that. She was an odd horse. But it's funny, she didn't want to do it. She didn't want to be there, really, but she didn't like horses beating her. Mm. Um, that's about how you could sum her up. She, she nearly all the races she won from the deaf or front. Um, yeah. she just dictated and, and she didn't like being back in the field. Um, and I was lucky at three and, and even at four, probably the same. And, um, two year old was not quite as the same, but three and four, um, she was so strong. Um, she was better over longer distance, but she could run fast times, but she could do it the same times over longer distances. So um, I'd just I'd just bludgeon your way to the lead or get to the deaf and dictate them from there. Yeah. Um, and as I said, she didn't like horses getting past her, basically. So <laughs> when you're in front or outside the leader and she wants to beat the leader and she doesn't want to let a horse pass her. Yeah. Um, it, Stra- it strange mix. Easy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it made my life as a driver easy mm. <laughs> because I, we always knew what our tactics were with her. Yeah, you, um, ju- you just bully them into submission. Yeah, that's exactly right. And – and and when you've got a good one that wanted to hold me out, that was fine because usually if it's a good one that wants to hold you out, that's the one to beat. Mm. And I was happy to sit outside him because she wanted to beat him anyway. Yeah. Exactly. So yes. um, yeah, that that worked out well, and it probably stopped to knock it off because she got the lead a bit soon. Mm. She wanted to knock off, but if she had the one to beat in front of her, yeah. um, that suited her into the ground as well. So she, yeah, amazing horse, amazing horse. Her her um her uh, what's the word? Just just be able to do it. Her intestinal fortitude to to come home from a race when we won the Victorian Oaks, we come home that night because I had mm. to go to Menangle the next night, yeah. and we didn't get home till three or four in the morning. And I've got up early, sort of up by six and seven, and put her out in the paddock, mm. and she took off down the paddock, flat gallop in about an eight or ten acre paddock I got there, mm. flat gallop down the corner, turned around, put her tail up over her back, and stood up and looked around. I went, wow. How, how impressive is that? You've just won the Victorian Oaks. Come yeah. home that night, had a couple of hours and put it out in the paddock and you look like you have um, haven't even run a race. Yeah, so, Bruce, the word you're looking for is constitution. Constitution, that was it. That was the word, exactly, John. Yeah, yeah, the constitution was unbelievable and that's the reason, in my opinion, that she was able to do what she did for a fair few years. Um, yeah. yeah, she she didn't – there was a girl at that particular night at Victoria at the Oaks was doing the heart rates of all the winners that night. Um, she was doing a study at university. Anyway, she come and um, done free after she won the Victorian Oaks. And uh, later on, we seen her. I said, how'd we go compared to the others? She said, uh, your heart rate's that much better than those other horses. It's not funny. Yeah, there you go. And, that was, and there you had a lot of good horses obviously went on that night. So, But that was, that was the reason she was able to do what she did in the hard way and keep doing it time after time. Now, Bruce, just to summarise your Group 1 record on Frith, you personally won the Gull Tiara final, the Victorian Oaks final, the WA Oaks, the Breeders' Challenge three-year-old, Breeders' Crown three-year-old, Breeders' Challenge four-year-old, Breeders' Crown four-year-old. Uh, an amazing array of wins. She went to the McCarthy stable in the latter part of career. She won a few more there, including the Group 1 Ladyship Mile. 
but uh, she was certainly one of the best we've seen in the last 25 years. There were yeah, grave we- concerns for her future as a broodmare, Bruce, because in her first two seasons, she absolutely refused to conceive. Yeah, yeah, no, I was starting to get a big worry. It was like, um, obviously, Bernie being involved in the in the stud game all his life had never had a mare that had ever done that before. Um, he was starting to panic, and we had gone to all extremes to try and help her, and yeah, it wasn't happening. And then this year, um, yeah, she's gone in foul and looks heavy in foul. Diane sent me a picture of her last week, actually, mm. um, to Captain Treacherous. Um, so, yeah, all fingers crossed that we finally get one on the ground for her. Everybody wanted a Captain Treacherous at the recent Australia Gull sale in Sydney. His first American crop of two-year-olds are winning everything. He went 147.1 himself as a three-year-old. He won 23 out of 33. I'm talking about Captain Treacherous, and he won 3.1 million. Well, you come from the same town as the legendary harness horseman Brian Hancock, who, Bruce, really has always been your role model, hasn't he? Yeah, I've looked up to him all my life. Like, um, as I said, you being a junior boy, you sort of follow him, but you didn't have to. You didn't have to look too far to follow Brian. Like what he's what he's done through his career has been absolutely amazing. He's into Dominion winners, and um, he's amount of heats he's won. I think it was in the twenties or thirties of amount of heats he'd won, and and it was the way he he treated the horses that was probably the thing that captured me most about about him. He wasn't a super aggressive. Uh, trainer or driver um, that would get out and just want to see how quick they can go and, and bludgeon horses into defeat. He'd, he'd poke them away and look after them, look after them. And, and once again, that was the longevity of all his horses. Mm. Um, and, and himself as a trainer, like he was impeccable record. Um, there was no never a drug charge against him in his whole career. Um, yeah, he was, he was an amazing horseman. Um, and, yeah, I said, like, anyone needed someone to follow during their career, they, they certainly couldn't have found someone better than Brian. Now, Bruce, just give me your thoughts briefly on the new Riverina Paceway with its lovely big long stretches, and you're a bloke who went around the old Wagga track a million times. Yeah, yeah, you're right, John. It's I didn't think I'd ever see it. We We talked about it like... As kids, people talked about it and, oh, we, we'll get a new track here one day. And, and then Wagga Showground actually upgraded their track, but the facilities were always below standard, as we all knew, and there was not much we could do about it. And and then when this word come through that this might be built and there were sort of hold-ups with the council and you think, oh, is it ever going to happen? It won't happen. I've dreamt about this. And, and then opening day and it was finally there and uh, you couldn't wipe the smile off my face to have the facilities that we finally – I've uh, been looking forward to all our lives and and uh, to have a track um, that's spacious for everyone. Um, yeah, no, it was, it was the best feeling. And now it makes it hard on the other clubs now because you go to Wagga and you, you go back to the, the, the average clubs again, which we all are at Junie and the surrounds, and you think, oh, geez, those facilities at Wagga are good. So, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just fantastic. It's just fantastic to have it there. Yeah, and, yeah. and I don't have to travel five or six hours to get there. No. <laughs> At 52 years of age, you're as keen as ever. Uh, Bruce, it's not as though you've been pushing ordinary horses around all your life. You've driven some outstanding horses in the last 20 years. They spoil you a bit, don't they? They do indeed. I, I probably, uh, I'm at that age now where I don't like to travel as much unless I think it's a particular horse. Um, I don't, don't have too many outside owners. The ones I do, I've had for a while and 
they know what I'm like, but I, I'm sort of the stage now where you've got your own stock and and um, we haven't got too many staff with, with Jordan Siri and Molly Molly Turton and that give me a hand and mm. and like I said we can't be away too long so I'm sort of happy to do the young horses and get them through their grades if they're good enough but as as they get older I'm sort of happy to move them on to someone where they can race consistently in the city or whatever but um, yeah certainly it does spoil you though like you Bernie and Bernie's the same we we still talk and I've got a fair few of Bernie's horses here at the moment and and we have the same theory up oh, that's not up to our standard let's get rid of it. Um, so there's more there's more to take their place and yeah. and the, the average one that's out there might be stopping the next good one to come in. So yeah, um, yeah we, you are spoiled. You are spoiled. It's not yeah, up to our standard. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. Like, you, like you've, you just pointed out to remind me, John, of what, yeah. what standard it is now. So. Yeah. They, they could be after these horses could get sacked down here today in my stable now that you brought that up again. So. <laughs> hey, Bruce, uh, been lovely to chat on the podcast. Thank you so much for your time and be careful. Don't fall off that Honda Posties bike, whatever you do. No, no, I, I just get up again. You got to, I learned that on the horses, John. When, you, when you're down, you just get up again, mate. That's what you got to keep doing in this game. That's, that's what it's all about. So <laughs> I appreciate you giving me a ring and having, having a talk. I, I really enjoyed it. Thanks, Bruce. All the best, and this podcast was produced by Supernova Sound. It's good times all round at Harness Racing across New South Wales as the state's finest horses and drivers go wheel to wheel. With something for everyone, a trip to the trots is the perfect place to take family and friends. It's easy, affordable and action-packed, so get down to your local track and experience it firsthand. Get all the info at harnessmediacentre.com.au and we'll see you at the track for good times all round.